my voice is gone from singing so much. Hey, listen, that last song, if you, if you saw it and you, you read the words and you're like, I don't know if I've heard that song before. You may not have because that's a relevant original. Woo, yeah. So that was written by uh, the worship pastor over at Relevant Riverside, Matthew Mendoza, and also the lead pastor, Jonathan Belima, over at Relevant Riverside. And you guys are going to see a lot more of that. We do a couple of Relevant Originals here. And I heard they're working on a worship project as well, too. So I cannot wait to sing that with you guys. So if this is your first time here, I want to say welcome home. My name is Muta. I'm one of the servants here at Relevant Church. And Relevant Church, let me tell you a little bit about it. We want to do one thing and one thing great. We want to boldly declare that Jesus Christ is relevant. We want to be unashamed about saying that Jesus Christ is relevant. We want to help people understand that Jesus Christ is relevant in their personal lives. Jesus Christ is relevant in their homes. He's relevant in their schools. He's relevant in their jobs. He's relevant in our community. And by that, it's as simple as this. Jesus is relevant. So I'm excited about tonight. I mean, today. What am I, I'm Tonight already? What's going on? I'm ready to go sleep already? Something. I don't know. But anyway, I'm thrilled to be here this morning. I'm so excited. We're kicking off a new series called Get Your Ship Together. Uh, It is a series that is going to help us set this year off right. How many of us have plans for 2017? Like, we've got some goals, not some New Year's resolution. Like, I mean some legit, like, this is what I want to accomplish this year. This is what I want to do. So this series is all about getting us in line, helping us get to the point where we get all the different ship in our life, ships in our life together. So listen, I got to put this disclaimer, right? So if I slip up, Blame Derek and Scott because they allowed me to go ahead with this series, right? They're supposed to be my uh, buffers. Um, It was a joke, guys. All right. Everybody's taking everything so seriously today. But I want to start off by doing a couple of things. Uh, Kim, can I ask you to come up here for a second? Hold on. Let me ask somebody else to come up here. Alex. Alex, go ahead and come up here for a second. I want you guys to help me out with this real quick. All right. So we're going to get to Kim in just a second. Let's start with Alex. Alex. I want you to show me your celebration face. Like when you're excited about something. What does your face look like? Yeah, how do you look excited? <laughs> That's nice. All right, show me like your, your team has won the game or you've just received the greatest gift that you've been waiting for. Show me what your excitement would look like. It's Christmas, we just fa- passed Christmas, so you're like opening gifts and everything's going all crazy and then you get that thing that you've wanted. What do you look like? <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Great. Give Alex a round of applause. Okay. So, Kim, now i got to ask you a question. This week, I saw a post on Facebook by your husband, Derek. And this post by your husband said something like this. I just want to let everybody know. I have just purchased a year's worth of house cleaning or lifetime's worth of house cleaning for my wife. A year's worth of spa dates, a year's worth of free chocolate. 
So let's say Derek posted that and not his wife hacking his page. But let's say you got all of that. What would celebration look like for you? <laughs> that is totally Kim. Absolutely. All right, let's give Kim a round of applause. I almost wanted to ask you to do it all over again. All right, where's Derek? Is Derek in here? Derek, come on up here. I got to ask you a question. So, Derek, you like the Razorbacks. I do. Wait, do that thing again. Ooh, big suey. Do it again. I just I got to see it again. Oh, big suey. All right. Yes. Whatever. All right. So, no, I'm joking. Uh, why do you like the Razorbacks, man? Uh, you know, they're my home state school. Yeah. Um, sort of my blood. Yeah. I believe red. Oh. Oh, y'all do too. There you yes, go. Yes, they're all Razorback fans. Um, <laughs> it yeah. runs inside of us, right? Exactly, yeah. So who's the coach? Uh, Brett Bilema. All right. You, who's, who's the quarterback right now? Uh, Austin Allen. Really? Yes. So you know a lot about this team. I know some. All right. So your kids, I see your kids wearing Razorback yes. jerseys, and yes. your parents are Razorback fans, your wife's are Razorback fans. Is everybody from Arkansas a Razorback fan? Not everybody, but most people. Most people. All the, only the cool people, right? Only the cool people. But you love the Razorback fans. So show me your celebration face when the Razorback win the game. Yeah. I like it. I like it. That's all you give? All right. Cool. All right. Let's give Derek a round of applause. So here goes the deal, guys. Excitement starts on the inside, right? Celebration starts on the inside. It's something that ins that's inside of us. We don't celebrate the things that aren't worthy of celebration. Am I right? So all these individuals here, the reason why they can celebrate the way they do, the reason why Kim loves to, uh, is willing to celebrate the way she did is because she knows what a free year's house cleaning and uh, a spa and chocolate will do for her. She knows that on the inside. She understands the value that she places on that, and so she gets excited and celebrates, right? Because we celebrate the things that we value. We celebrate the things that we are excited about, and we don't celebrate the things that we don't know about. All right, so I'm going to use the, the term widget. How many people here has heard of the term widget? How many here know what the heck a widget is? None of us, but we all use that. So take, for example, it's Christmas, Alex, and you get the box, and it's a widget. Exactly. You should see Alex's face. He's like... That's what our reaction is going to be. We don't celebrate things that we don't know, but we celebrate those things that we like, those things that we understand. We understand their value to us. We celebrate the things that we like. We celebrate the things that are worthy of celebration. We celebrate the things that are worth it. We don't celebrate the things that aren't worth it. We celebrate what we what we know about. We celebrate what we love. We celebrate what is worthy of celebration. We celebrate those things that are worth it. We worship the things that are worth it. We worship the things 
that we love. We worship those things that we know about. We worship those things that we value so deeply. We worship those things that we hold so dear and near to our lives. We worship these things. Let me ask you a question. In your life, is God worth shit? Important to you? What is the worth of God to you? See, let me tell you a little bit about worship. This word worship comes up in the Bible in two different ways. There's two different examples of worship that we see. Worship is always an internal act, and it's always an external reaction. It starts in the beginning. It's an internal disposition and also an internal action. Let me give you a couple of examples here. The first one is Matthew 15, 8 and 9. So Jesus here is talking to a group of individuals. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers because there's some people called the Pharisees there. These Pharisees are super religious. They do everything right. Everywhere they go, they have the right clothes on, and they say the right prayers, and they bring the right gifts to the temple, and they do everything religiously right. But this is what Jesus says about them. He says, this people, talking about the Pharisees, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. So uh, the Bible is written in a few different languages. So uh, primarily it's written in Greek and Hebrew, but then there's also a little bit of Aramaic that is written. And in this word right here, this is a Greek word called sebo. It means to revere and uh, adore, and it means an internal uh, disposition. So he's saying these people do everything on the outside right, but internally their disposition is nowhere near me. They don't really adore me. They don't really revere me. They think as long as I do what is right on the outside, it's all good. Now, Psalm 95.6 tells us this. The writer of the psalmist says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, this one is called Shekah. In Hebrew, and it means to bow down. It means to lay prostrate. It means to be bodily all the way prostrate on the ground saying, I am giving honor to this thing that is in front of me. And this is what the psalmist is saying. Because we love the Lord, because we honor him, allow, let our body show our worship. Allow it to come from the inside out and be very present. So here's the deal. Many of us in 2017, a lot of things are going to come our way. A lot of good and some bad. And for some of us, maybe uh, this 2017 may encounter some things that push us to the brink of breaking. But I want to share this with you. The only way we'll make 2017 a banner year, the only way we'll be able to get through the ebb and flow of life of 2017 is dependent on where our worship lies. 
or where our worth-ship lies. So today, I just want to share with you a couple of things of, about worship and help us get our worship together for 2017. Because if we don't start here, then everything else that we place in front of us is not worth it. Point number one, if you don't have a teaching sheet, put your hand up. You're going to need them. We're going to go through these. Uh, House crew has got some teaching sheets, so put your hand up and we can get one to you. We believe in taking notes over here at Relevant Church so that you can take the message with you and go mobile. Think about it. Talk about it with your families. Get into it with them in a good way. Get into the message, not get into it like fight. We don't ascribe to that here. We believe peaceful families are great. So the first thing we need to know about worship is this. It's about position and not purpose. Worship is not about purpose. It's more about position. How many of us here have heard the term, oh, it's the thought that counts? Lies. It is not the thought that counts. I want the thing. I want whatever you thought about doing for me, just do it. That's what counts. I want to see it. We go around and we say, hey, you know what? Though that person had some good intentions. Well, good intentions aren't good enough if we don't turn them into action. We, 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 we say we're going to purpose to do this. Many of us have a purpose to worship God this year. This year is going to be the year I'm going to purpose to read the Bible. This year is going to be the year that I'm going to purpose to uh, go to the gym. This year is going to be the year that I purpose to do this. But purpose is meaningless if it's not positioned in a point of action. So my wife is, um, got a West Indian background. And West Indians say the weirdest things, okay? So, like, when you're in our house, you will hear some random stuff that you have no clue what she just said. So I'll give you an example. So Elijah is our middle child, and Elijah is a little rambunctious. Like, he's all boy. This kid just goes, 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 goes. If you've seen him, he's probably running. So he's in the kitchen with Christine, and Christine is like, hey, stay out of the kitchen. I need to cook. I need to have my space. Go out of the kitchen, please. And this kid keeps running back into the kitchen. So I'm in there for whatever reason, and dude dashes in there, and he's doing something, knocks something over. And she says, hey, you, move your skin from here. Move your what? Your skin. And you should have seen Elijah's reaction. He was like, huh? Like, they say the strangest thing. So uh, another saying that's really common in, in our household now is uh, towards uh, Isaiah, who's a little older now. And so Isaiah may be in his room playing video games or uh, he'll be watching TV in the living room or whatever. And Christine will say, Isaiah, come here. And his reaction is, what do you think? I'm coming. And immediately she says, stop coming and come. And I noticed that with her mother, it says the exact same thing. Hey, stop coming and come. Hey, Muta, can you come here for a second? Come in, Mom. Uh, stop coming and come. And it's the same thing for us. It's like, stop purposing and actually do it. We, we, we say we're going to do this just because we mean to do it doesn't mean we're actually getting around to doing it. And in terms of worship, it's all about position and not purpose. And this is what Jesus is telling us. 
In Matthew 6, he gives us this verse. He gives us this encouragement. He's like, look, there's a lot of things in this world that are going to vie for one number one position in your life. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to come your way. But look at this. He says, Matthew 6, says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's about position and not purpose. He says, put me first. Allow me to be number one in your life. And my dad always used to tell me this. We prioritize the things that are a priority. We talk about the priorities we have, but we can tell what's priority by the thing that we spend the most time on. Worship is about position and not purpose. Stop coming and come and sit at the feet of Jesus. Pause for a moment. It's about position and not purpose. Point number two. It's about honor and not ours. Check what he says in uh, Matthew 15, 8 and 9. We read this before. He says, these people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me in vain do they worship me? Let me ask you a question. Do you know why our worship experience is 90 minutes or less? Because if it was like three hours, I wouldn't even show up. Let's be real. Like, if, have you ever been somewhere at a church service that is just dragging on and on and on and on and on? Before we plan the church, I'm not dissing any other churches. I believe in awesome worship experiences, and I, there's a point to this. So I, I was... I visited a church, and the church, I mean, we got there like at 9.30 for Sunday school, and it went on, and we didn't get out of there till 2 o'clock. And I found myself midway through saying, can we hurry up? Can we, like, get to the point? Can we hurry up and leave? I, I want to go home and eat. But why? And the Holy Spirit had to check me. We spend time on everything else, countless hours, on so many things in life. But when it comes to spending a little time with God, when it comes to spending a little time in worship, when it gets time to spend a little time to honor God, we're on a time crunch. Service needs to hurry up. I've got lunch plans. The game is going to be on. Think about it. We'll watch a football game, guys, right? And I don't mean to beat up on the guys. The women, y'all do it too. Some of y'all like football as well too. Danae's a Michigan State fan. Go blue. Um, so, hey, Notre Dame, get out of here, all right? Um, we watched the entire football game. We watched the halftime show that's given us a report on the football game that we just watched. And then at the end of the game, we flip it to ESPN and watch the highlights of the game that we just watched. For another three hours, because you know ESPN just runs it over and over and over and over. That's all they talk about, right? So in a day, we can spend six hours spending an hour with God. Spend an hour and a half with God. Spending 15 minutes in the morning. Seems to be, we're on a time crunch. I got to get to work. I've got things to do. You know, I went to a concert last summer. 
And it was one of my favorite bands I was going to be on there. And I, when we got to the concert hall, we were sitting there waiting. And then I realized there were all these opening acts. How many of you guys have been to a concert where you see opening acts? And there were six opening acts. And I was like, are you serious? But guess what? I stayed the entire time. Why? Because I valued the artist who was going to come on. I had a firm understanding in my heart how much I valued that uh, artist I was coming on. So I sat through all of this drag of some people were good, some people were terrible, shouldn't have been there. But at the end of the day, I sat through all of it. Why? Because I valued that artist. That artist was worth it. Worship is about honor and not ours. Listen to this quote by John Piper. I love what he says here. This is so true. He says, true worship is based on a right understanding of God's nature and is the right valuing of God's worth. But here goes the deal. We won't ever get to understand God's worth if we never honor him with first position in our lives. If he's not a priority above all, we will never spend enough time to know who he is and what he's done for us, and therefore we won't value him correctly. That's why when we walk into church, or that's why when we think about things that are godly, we sit there and we're saying, hurry up, I've got stuff to do. Could it be that we just don't have a firm understanding of who God is and what he's done for us in our lives? Worship is about position and not purpose. It's about honor and not ours. And point number three, it's about deference and not preference. So this word deference, this means just a, a respectful or courteous regard. It's putting something else before another thing. Uh, Look, guys, I'm going to ask you guys a question in here, and don't put your hand up, whatever you do, because I don't want you to get stabbed when you leave here. Tell the truth, though, in your mind, how many of us really like grocery shopping or going to the mall with our spouses? Many of us do not like to do those things, but we do these things because we understand what this is going to do for my spouse. We understand that this person is worth it, so I will sacrifice my time. I will defer what I would prefer to do for my spouse. Worship is about deference and not preference. You know, I mentioned the game. We would rather be watching the game. We'd rather be working on our, with our hands, working on a project. But we do it because it makes them happy. We do it because it gives honor to our spouses. We do, or uh, the ladies in here, you choose to do whatever for your boyfriend or for your uh, significant other or for your husband. Why? Because you knew that it gives honor to this individual. I know I've got a friend who's in this building right now who loathes football. Like, loathes anything to do with sports. It's a woman. But she will sit for countless hours and defer to watching these sports because she knows that her husband loves it. It's about deference 
and not preference. Worshiping is deferring to those things that give him honor. That give God honor because God's worth it in our lives. So uh, there are times where um, I, I listen to all types of music. I love all types of music. I love you know, jazz. So from on one day, I could be listening to jazz. And the next moment, I can be listening to worship. And the next, uh, like, Hillsong or Elevation Worship. And the next moment, I'll be listening to, like, 90s pop and not mbop, Kim, no, none of that. Uh, I'll be listening to uh, rock and roll. I'll be listening to alternative. I'll be listening to uh, EDM, electronic dance music, for those who don't know. It's the greatest music in the world. And that type of stuff. I love it. Um, I could be listening to something else, but there are times when I'm driving in the car and it'll just pop in my mind. And like, while this is not bad, why don't I defer to listen to some music that gives honor to God? Why don't I listen to a message that's going to remind me of God's glory and Jesus Christ's sacrifice for me? Remind me why I'm on this earth, why I'm positioned here. Sometimes I just have to defer so that I can be in a state of worship. Worship is about deference and not preference. And finally, point number four. It's about fruit over fluff. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. The writer who wrote this is writing about Jesus Christ, and he's telling us, he's giving us some advice on what worship looks like, on what the result of our worship to God is. And this is what he says. He says, through him, he's talking about through Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I feel like I, I, I need to read that again. Just listen to what this is saying. It's about fruit over fluff. It says, through him, through Jesus Christ, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, the acknowledgement of his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. See, both verses end with this term sacrifice. And the individuals who were reading this in this day, knew, under, understood exactly what the writer was saying when he put this word sacrifice in there. And we know that too, because the sacrifice points back to the Old Testament. The Bible has two Testaments. It's got the Old Testament and the New Testament, before Christ and after Christ. And so uh, in the Old Testament, part of the ritualistic worship, how people worship God is they would bring these animal sacrifices to the temple. Now, you have to understand, this was an agrarian culture. These were individuals that were pasture people, meaning they raised these animals for their livelihood. They raised them for their food. They raised them to trade and to barter. So it was that important to them. These animals were that important to them. And what they would have to do, God had instituted this system, this sacrificial system where individuals would have to take 
a sheep or a lamb or a goat or a bull or a pigeon and it had to be perfect, unblemished. It had to be that favorite one. The one that is your prized possession. The one that, you know what? This one I could trade a whole lot for. And they would have to bring this animal to the temple. And when they got to the temple, they would literally have to slit the throat of that animal. Allow it to bleed out and then hand it over to the priest. And what this was, it was a worshipful sacrifice saying, God is worth more than my livelihood. God is worth more than the thing I hold so dear. God is worth more than my pride. God is worth more than the relationships that I place above him. God is worth more than those things that I hold as preeminent in my life. It's about fruit and not fluff. It was a display of worship, of thanksgiving, because this sacrifice was what God used to appease his wrath towards these individuals. Now check this out. In this day and age, we go through each day making mistakes. We go through and we sin. No one in here is perfect. And rather than us having to come to church Sunday morning and bringing our favorite animal, rather than having to come in here and slit its throat, God sent his only son, his perfect child. Instead of us bringing a sacrifice to him, he brought a sacrifice for us. And he laid this perfect sacrifice on an altar. Jesus Christ gave his life willingly for us so that we would be reconciled to God, so that our sin would no longer separate us from God, but through Jesus Christ we'll be reconciled and brought back into fellowship with God. See, when we understand this, we we understand the value of who God is and what he's done for our lives. When we understand this, it manifests itself in two ways of worship. Put that verse back up. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. It says the fruit of the lips, that's what happens when we understand God's worth, when we understand and give him honor in our lives. The fruit of the lips acknowledge his name. That is in worship services and singing and praying and repenting of our sins and confessing and saying, God, I'm not worthy, but you love me so much that you sent your son to die for me. And I'm giving my worship to you. My worthy sacrifice are my words to you as my hands raised to you. This is my heart's disposition towards you. But then it goes on. Secondly, the fruit of deeds. Verse 16. He follows up and says, do not neglect to do good. Share what you have. Such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It's about fruit and not fluff. 
And here's, here's the bottom line here. Worship is simply showing and displaying the worth of God. Worship is showing and displaying the worth of God. So, like I said, I've got a couple of sons. My youngest son, Jeremiah, he's about a year and a half. And whenever I walk into the house, I'm always greeted with, Daddy! He's got his hands up. He's got this big old grin on his face. Daddy! And then when he's playing and he stubs his toe, the first thing that he does, he turns to me and says, Daddy! He comes to me, he understands that I'm the one who can kiss the boo-boo on his toe. I'm the one who will hold him up and let him know that everything is going to be okay. I'm the one who's going to provide for him. So whether he's happy, whether he's sad, he knows my worth. And so he comes and he says, Daddy. But then I've got Elijah. Elijah's now a little older. He's five, about to turn six. See, when I come home, Daddy, But I've noticed something. That now when Elijah bumps his toe, it's no longer daddy, it's, oh, Elijah, do you want me to touch it? No, it hurts. Daddy will help you. No, I can do this myself. When he's embarrassed about something, it's no longer those tears that say, come daddy, hold me so I can put my face in your shoulder. It's, Elijah, I know what you did was wrong. It's okay. And then we get to Isaiah, who's now 11. I walk in the door, and it's quiet. TV's on. I walk in, and he's sitting on the couch. Jeremiah, daddy. Elijah, daddy. Isaiah, Isaiah, hey, what's up, Dad? Life will do that to us. The older we get, see, when we're young, we understand the value of the majestic. We are born with a tendency to want to worship. We are born with a a desire to want something preeminent in our lives. That's why through life we begin to chase careers. We start chasing uh, women. We start chasing men. We start chasing drugs. We start chasing uh, money. We start chasing sex. We chase all these other things because in essence, in our heart, we want to say daddy, but our mind has so been torn away. What started as this goes to this till we're finally like this. See, worship is showing and displaying the worth of God. In in 2017, let me tell you something. Don't let whatever happens steal your worship of God. Don't let whatever happens steal your worship of God. Worship is showing and displaying the worth of God. Let me challenge you with this. 
you will never understand the worth of God if you never hear or read or see it in living color through his word. This is God revealed to us. He put this book, 66 books together for us to get to know him, to get to see how awesome he is, get to see how much he loves you. He gets to, we get to see how much he protects you. So in 2010, I want, I mean 2017, I'm way back again. I want to challenge you with a couple of things. I want to challenge you first with getting to know him. Get to know God. Get to know Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you. Spend more time reading his word. Spend more time reading some devotional word, uh, uh, reading. Spend time listening to worship music. Defer to that over something else sometimes. I'm not saying a secular music is wrong. I listen to it too. But sometimes let's learn to defer. Let's put him in the right position over purposing to do it. Let's give him honor and not worry about the hours that it takes. Because it's about the fruit. And not the fluff. And if we put God in the rightful place, this is what's going to happen. What Hebrews tells us, it'll result in outward expressions of praise. We'll give him honor. We'll give him glory. We'll worship him. But then also, it'll manifest itself in acts of service to others. So there's two, two things, two opportunities I want to give you. The first opportunity is this. Hey, look, the Bible has a whole bunch of reading plans. Everybody, you got a cell phone. You got the Bible app on there. Right now, I'm doing a 365-day Bible reading plan. You don't even have to do that. You can do a seven-day reading plan. Just get started. You can do a three-day reading plan. Just get started. Starting to get to know Jesus Christ. Get to know God. Understand his work. Or... Uh, a few years ago, I worked with this uh, nonprofit, this faith-based nonprofit, and we wrote curriculum and we wrote Bible studies. So there's a series that we wrote called Seven, Seven Days of Gospel Reflection. It's just seven days of short readings, a short prayer, and a couple of questions just for you to reflect on. We just want to give that to you. We want to email that to you. It's a short little ebook. If you want that book, if you want to say, hey, I want to jumpstart my understanding of the gospel. I want to jumpstart my understanding of this God that sent his son to die for me. Write on your connection card. Put your name there. Put your email address. And on the back, just say, send me seven. Just write the number seven. Send me seven. And we'll email it to you. It's an awesome, awesome study. And number two, join us in Fast Five. Fast five is a way that we are fasting forward. Rather than withdrawing from those things that we love, we're going towards the things that God loves. I just, I, I'm still got Christy's testimony on my mind. This week, she was able to bridge a gap between her and a coworker that resulted in just amazing, amazing ways. This week, we're sharing something with the sick. I want you to grab that commitment card in there and say, I'm going to take part in this. Like I said last week, let's have 100% participation. 
in 2017, when we understand God's word, it'll result in a worshipful year. And it will also result in a fruitful year where we serve others for the glory of God. Sound good? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your love and kindness. Thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, Lord. Sometimes we forget that story. Sometimes we think of it as just a story, Lord. But I pray, God, that this year that we will be reminded of your love for us, that we will be reminded of how awesome you are, how powerful you are, how you could have recreated this whole earth, but you chose to love it instead. And so, Lord, I thank you that all of us get to hear this message. And I pray for every single individual here, Lord, if there's one person who doesn't know you, maybe they've never made a decision to follow you. Maybe they're hearing about this for the first time or they're hearing about this for the hundredth time and they're like, I don't understand God's worth. He's meaningless to me. My life is good without it. But today, they recognize that there's a void and they can actually get to know you. Lord, I pray that you would just prick their hearts right now. That they may make a decision to follow you, Lord. That on their connection card, they'll write on the back, I, I, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to learn about this Jesus. I want to get to know him. And God, for everybody else here, Lord, who's walking with you, God, may our life be a life of worship or worship of you. We thank you, Lord. And I pray that 2017 will be our year, not for material blessings, but Lord, for a right worth of you that will result in every blessing that you have in store for us. We ask all these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ.